This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Welcome back to Political Theater. Catherine Lyons, our uh, intrepid Heard on the Hill reporter, one half of the HOH team here at CQ Roll Call, spoke uh, just a little while ago with Maz Jabrani, the Iranian-American comedian, uh, podcaster, and sort of all-media talent. Uh, Catherine, why don't we, uh, like, just, we'll play this interview and uh, we'll allow the Political Theater audience to just love it with you. I'm into it. Hello. Maz? Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. We're taping from Washington, D.C., which I know is one of uh, your favorite places. You're going to be here uh, in a week performing um, at the Kennedy Center. And I was wondering, what's the difference between performing in D.C. and L.A.? Um, What's the difference in audience? Boy, um, I think I'm pretty lucky in that I've got a pretty um well-informed audience anyway wherever i go uh my audience tends to be pretty informed as to what's going on in the news and they're pretty uh well educated so if i make some references they get it however dc is that on steroids i mean that your town is all about politics so it's interesting because i haven't noticed nowadays i have a lot of yeah, I have a lot. I have a lot of material about my kids, and there's times when I'll do shows and people will come up and be like, "I wish you would do more political stuff," and oh, I'm like, God. "God, I can't do a whole hour." <laughs> you know, maybe one day I'll just decide to dive in and do a full political show and just, you know, announce it as that. No, don't do that. We need a reminder that there's life outside of politics. Well, that's that, that's what exactly my point right now. You just proved my point because what it is is. I don't want to do a full hour, but then people come up to me sometimes and go, we wish you would have done more. So I've got people saying do more. I got people saying do less. And ultimately it's, it's, you know, you talk about whatever's on your mind. So having young kids, they give me a lot of material that takes me outside of the politics, but DC is amazing. I, I, I always point it out whenever I go to DC, it's interesting because the people you meet in DC, you go, what do you do? They go, oh, I work for the agency. I work for state. I work for whatever. And then in LA, you meet people, you go, what do you do? And they go, oh, I got an audition for a guy who works for the agency and works for, no, we're pretending you guys are doing the real thing. Um, that's nice of you to say. Um, <laughs> do you have to add an extra layer of wonk to your act when you come to DC? Do you feel like you have to step up your game? Are you watching the Senate impeachment trials on C-SPAN? You know, I um, I was just thinking about that today because there is so much, as you said, it's there's so much going on. You know, as an Iranian-American, I have to, of course, talk about the brink of war that we came to a couple weeks ago. Um, and even that is a sensitive topic. And also, it just happened a few weeks ago. And also, how many, how much comedy can you get from it? So it's like, maybe I have two or three minutes on that tops. And then I was thinking about that, that I'm going to be in D.C. basically towards the end of this trial. Maybe it'll still be going. I don't know where it'll be, but 
I thought I have to make some kind of, I got to allude to it somehow. Now, will I have a whole slew of jokes about it? I, I don't, I don't know how much, you know, it, it might just be a reference at the top. You know, I, a lot of times what I'll do is when I end up in a place like that, or like, for example, when I, I, I went to Egypt, um, shortly after the Arab Spring and they had, uh, ousted Hosni Mubarak and I had been there maybe a few years before. So it was simply something along the lines of like, Hey, good to be back in Egypt after three years. And like, so what's going on? Like, you know, like alluding to the fact that a lot's going on and acting like I don't know, you know. And what's interesting is it's been 15 years since uh, your Axis of Evil tour. And it almost feels like nothing or some things have changed politically, depending on how you look at it. Are there jokes from back then that you think that you could still tell today? Are there jokes you probably wouldn't fly as well? A ton of them. A ton of them. I actually have brought back one one joke that's actually part of the setup to a joke, but I brought it back. I did it on the Axis of Evil Comedy special, which was... I, I think it was actually, I forget what, I, I did on some special. I don't know which special it was, but I basically say how people were getting upset back then. There were some people, not a lot, but some people were getting upset when I would do Bush jokes uh, on the eve of the, of the Iraq war. And some people said, you know, don't make fun of our troops. And I was like, I'm not making fun of our troops. Oh, they said you can't criticize the war because if you criticize the war, then you're criticizing our troops. And I said, that's not the case at all. I go, as a matter of fact, it's the opposite. I'm, you know, I'm not making fun. I'm not sitting there going like, you know what? I, I, you know, I love the administration. It's these troops that piss me off. It was the reverse. It was like, I'll support the poor troops. These young guys who are going overseas, guys and girls who are going overseas and sacrificing their lives. It's the administration I'm making fun of. And then I went on and said, that's what America is about, that we can make fun of our president here. And, and I said, I couldn't make fun of the president of Iran and Iran if I, made fun of the president of Iran and Iran. You'd come up to me after the show, be like, hey, that was a great show. When's your next show? I'd be like, there are no more shows. The Ministry of No Show showed up. And, uh, you know, I've been banned. But now, take that Bush administration feeling and put it on steroids in terms of how sensitive Trump supporters are when you do a Trump joke. Yeah, you had a heckler. What's that? As a woman. As a woman. I take offense. Okay. At... Okay. I have a very different opinion than you. I appreciate you. you. Thank and you very I'm much. Illegal. Illegal. You're legal what? Paralegal? A what? I'm a legal immigrant too. Congratulations. Thank you. And Fantastic. I'm glad you're a legal immigrant too. And Namaste. However, Russell is not legal. <laughs> it's okay. Calm down. I love you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I hear you. That's fine. That's okay. Relax, guys. Relax. It's okay. Listen, that's fine. That's my whole point. We can talk about it. That's fine. Send me a tweet or something or a Facebook message. We'll have a conversation. Yeah, I've had several of those. And that one was just one that we caught on tape and that she was, you know, losing her mind. You know, she, she was drunk and she kept saying, I am offended as a woman that you would make fun of our president. I'm like, 
as a I go, your argument doesn't even make sense. Like the, the, the amount of disparaging things this guy said about women, what are you even talking about? And I just tried to be the reason I call my tour, the peaceful warrior tour is because I am trying to continue to say what I want to say, which is criticism of this president, but say it in a peaceful way. So if somebody confronts me, I'm just relaxing. Because early on, at one point, somebody did confront me, and I came back with what I thought were logical arguments. And then quickly, I found myself in a debate with this guy. And then quickly, the rest of the audience was looking at me saying, hey, where'd the show go? From the clip I saw, you handled her, um, you handled it pretty well. I mean, you were open, you were letting her speak. Were you poised for that? Are you prepared for um, Trump supporters, for hecklers? Or is that more off the cuff that you kind of just cross that bridge when you get there? Well, I don't have necessarily specific comebacks, but I do, I've, I've learned to breathe. Like I said, that one time when I confronted the guy and ended up kind of being derailed from my show, and realizing that I'm just arguing with somebody and it makes, who's not listening to any logic. At one point, the guy, because I was just, you know, trying to get into logic. I said, listen, I, I loved Obama. And if you said to me that Obama, under Obama, uh, there were more drone strikes than any president before, I would have to say, you're right. So I said, in that same way, if I were to say to you that under Trump, there's been, um, harsher persecution of immigrants, would you agree with me? And the guy was like, no, the economy, this and that. And then I go, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Iran. And I go, were you born here? He goes, no, I was born in Iran and I came here when I was, you know, a teenager. So I go, wait a minute. So you came here as an immigrant and you're not offended by this travel ban or any of this stuff? And he's like, no. And so to me, I was just like, this guy is totally hypocritical and just, you know, and so it was back and forth, back and forth. And again, I realized I'm not going to convince this guy. He is entrenched in his beliefs. And so that's when I told myself, I'm going to relax next time this happens. So the next time it happened was actually in Irvine, California. There's a lot of Iranians who like Trump because they think that he somehow is going to get rid of the mullahs. And listen, I tell them, look, I I agree the mullahs, in my opinion, are bad and, the, and, you, and, and it's an oppressive regime and it's, uh, and it's a totalitarian state in my heart. But I also don't think that Trump has any strategy for this. And I think that his sanctions are just starving the people. And, and I just I feel bad for the people of Iran because I feel like they get it from their own government and now they're getting it from our government. So that's my take on it. But I was down in Irvine doing some Trump jokes and this guy, you know, Irvine has a lot of conservative people. And this one guy was walking back and forth in the back of the room and I could see him. I didn't know what he was doing. And then he started cussing me out. And that was one of the first times I got to really implement what you saw in that clip on YouTube, which was to just really calmly, he started like throwing F-bombs at me. And I was like, Hey man, it's all good. I go, listen, you can have your opinion. I got my opinion. You don't have to stay here. And I was very calm. And my audience started going nuts on the guy. Boo! And I was like, guys, calm down. That's the beauty of America. You can have his opinion. Da, 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 da. So similarly, and when it happened with this lady in Burbank, the, the clip that you saw, it was interesting because my crowd was trying to go at her. And I said, calm down, calm down. I handled it very peacefully. And I told her, you don't have to stay, this and that. And I walked off stage and I felt really good about how I handled it. 
And then the opening act came backstage and they were like, dude, your audience is going off on this lady. So when I left, my crowd, as they were leaving, were cussing her out because they were offended by the fact that she came to my show and interrupted the show and basically kind of ruined the flow for them. So I was like, oh my God, I'm trying to be a peaceful warrior, but the people ain't following my lead. And, you know, you've mentioned before how um, Trump's presidency has given you uh, material for your stand-up, but Obama's presidency wasn't so helpful. I know that you've you've been to the White House. You've also uh, been in the fake West Wing. The royal family is very large. There are thousands of members. At times, some have been less than progressive. But we do want change, manageable change. You'll keep us in the loop on the situation in the Capitol? Of course. And yet if things suddenly become unruly, we... I trust you'll consult with us. As friends do. As you would consult with us. What's the difference between both? Are there any similarities? Uh, God, I've never thought of that. You yeah. know, well, the real Very West... meta. Yeah, being in the real West Wing was... I mean, it was one of those moments where you kind of reflect. You're like, wow, I'm this kid from Iran, you know, that... You know, when I, who would have known 30, 40 years ago that I would end up in the West Wing, in the president's office with my family? I mean, it was just surreal. It was an amazing feeling. Yeah, surreal. And then also, I got to introduce Michelle Obama at that at an event at that podium that all the presidents speak from. So that to me, I was just. It really was this thing of the American dream. It really also was beyond the American dream. It was. It was this thing of pursue your your passion in life because my parents wanted me to be a lawyer or something. So if I'd listened to my parents, I don't think I would have been picked to be the person standing in, at that podium giving that little, you know, brief talk and then introducing Michelle Obama. So that was an amazing experience, the real the real West Wing. And then the the fake West Wing was as an actor, it was amazing because I got a chance to act with uh Martin Sheen and uh, I believe John Spencer. And uh, it was, you know, you feel like, oh, I better be on my game. And it, for me, it was cool because as a comedic actor, I'm always used to sometimes being over the top and bringing a lot and hamming it up. But this was one of those dramatic scenes where I was playing the Saudi ambassador to America and it was all very understated. It was a different role for you. And people, you know, watch it and they go, oh, wow, you did really well. And I go, yeah, man, give me a shot. I can do this. So uh, it was a cool experience. It really was uh, another career highlight. But but the other one was a life highlight. Really. Yeah, yeah. Martin Sheen was here actually a couple weeks ago. I think he was part of um, Jane Fonda's Fire Jill Fridays. They were protesting climate change. I know that you you did the protest at LAX and um, part of your um, your stand-up acts that you, I want to ask you about two jokes in your immigrant special, um, which I thought were funny, were white people born in America protest differently than people of color and people not born in America. And then you also said going to protest gets you in shape. People ask, are you doing Pilates? I say, no, I'm doing Trump Oddies. And then you dance some, which I think if I was going to ask you to do more of anything in a stand-up act, it would be dancing. <laughs> Outside of uh, the protests that you participated in at the airport in Los Angeles, have you have you been involved in anything else? I have not been out uh, on the on the battlegrounds of other protests recently. 
you know, it's, it, we went, we went when there was the gun, pro, there was the gun protest in LA. We went and did that. Um, I did not take the kids to the, to the, uh, travel ban protest because I was worried. I didn't know what to expect. But then when I went down, I thought, oh, wow, I should have brought them because it was very peaceful. And the same thing with the gun one. It was very peaceful. And I think it's important for them to see it. And gosh, you know, one of the things that, that I get, caught into there's a couple of things one is sometimes as you said it's like my heart is very passionate about a lot of these causes but i also try to remind myself that i'm a comedian so i better have punchlines and i know that even on social media it becomes very touchy because you take one side and the other side gets so uh, um aggressive and it's sometimes i get discouraged from getting political because these people that are there and they're just expressing, you know, they're, they're yelling at you. But I, I feel like a majority of my audience wants me to stick to what my passions are and they want to hear about it. It's just that the minority of people who come after you, they just, they just scream louder. So sometimes those people discourage you from being too political. And you're, um, you're open about being a Democrat. Were you always a Democrat? Did you always identify that way? Or do you think it kind of evolved in your adult years? You know, I think, you know, my father was very conservative. Um, my father was, a, you know, a great, generous guy, very just gregarious and, and just, uh, just a generous human being. But politically speaking, he wasn't, first of all, he wasn't political at all. He always, you know, he always say, let's just, you know, stay away from politics. But a lot of Iranians, had a bad taste in their mouth uh, because of Jimmy Carter, because they felt that Jimmy Carter kind of allowed the Shah to be overthrown. And they have their own conspiracy theories and stuff. So you think that paved the way for a change? For Khomeini. Yeah, they feel that that paved the way for Khomeini. And you know, I'm just reading this other book about how, I guess, Saddam Hussein at some point had offered the Shah saying, I can get rid of Khomeini for you if you want. This was when, because Khomeini had been sent to Iraq. He'd been exiled into Iraq, and he was making some, some noise there. And I think Saddam was saying, we can make him disappear. And the shot said, no. There's a lot of conspiracies about what happened, but my father was probably more conservative politically. Um, and I think my father comes from, came from that world of, and a lot of Iranians, I think, a lot of immigrants come from these worlds of strong men. And they feel that, oh, it's fine that this guy is saying what he's saying because we need control. We need we need someone to kind of, you know, put down the sledgehammer and, and stop anything. Interesting. You think more so in the Middle Eastern countries? Yeah, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, but also, you know, Philippines. And you got, you know, now you got in uh, Brazil. You got a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are very conservative when it comes. I think overall, if you know, I was thinking about this during the elections. I think overall, if you took a poll, I think more people are probably in worldwide. There's probably more conservative people than there are progressive. And the reason is because to be progressive, you really got to be at a mind mentally at a, at a place mentally where you are open to an insecure future. You don't know what's in the future. You're open minded. You're saying, let's just try this other thing. Let's try that other thing. Whereas when you're conservative, you're going, no, let's not try anything. By the way, a lot of conservatism, I think, is driven by religion. And if you look at it, a lot of these countries, whether it's the Middle East with Islam or some of these other South American countries or, or European countries with Christianity, 
or even our own country. There's a lot of people who want the rules, right? You know, marriage is between a man and a woman and, and uh, abortion is bad. Like they want those rules and they don't want to try anything else. And so the hope that I find is when I hear my own kids and younger kids talking about, you know, all of a sudden, whether their friend is from another background or whatever, it's just not an issue anymore to them. And I go, that's amazing that we've come that far and their sexuality is an, is an issue. So that's my hope. But I feel my whole life, I've always kind of been very, first of all, I've always been someone who tries to uh, defend the underdog in any case. And that kind of leans into that democratic liberal mentality. I remember as a young kid, we were with some friends of ours, my parents' friends, and one of their, their daughter um, had, I think she had Down syndrome or something, but I remember she was kind of acting out and the parents, you know, sent her to a room. She, we were all kids and they sent the kid to the room and, and I remember just my heartbreaking and wanting to go help her escape the room. And that's always been my, that's always been my mentality. And I've always also been somebody who's wanted to break up fights and stuff like that. So diplomatic in many ways. So I think when you put all those things together and then you grow up in Northern California, which is pretty liberal, then you go to UC Berkeley, which is very liberal. And all of that just kind of gets me to this place where I have a lot of conservative friends and we get into all kinds of debates and I try as much as I can to tell them, look, I see what you're saying, but try and see what I'm saying. One of my initial questions was, it's evident in your acts that you have, at the very least, followed up on something so that you can weave it into what you're saying. But in researching, I saw that you once pursued a political science degree. It came about, I think, I think, first of all, a lot of Iranians are politically minded. I don't care who you are, but just if I think if you took the average Iranian and put them up against the average American, especially now with the impeachment, a lot of Americans are tuning in. But in general knowledge, I think a lot of Iranians for because I think Iran has experienced so much turmoil over the past centuries with, you know, the British coming in and taking the oil, then the 53 coup of of the democratically elected Mossadegh, which was done by Americans and all this stuff. I think we just, we tend to be very politically minded. And so what happened was because my parents wanted me to be a lawyer, I thought a good undergraduate degree to lead into a law, law degree would be political science. So I started studying political science and I was very intrigued by it. And, and to me it is, it's, you know, it, for the longest time I used to, if I wanted to just kind of zone out at the end of the day, I turn on ESPN and watch some sports. But now I say overwhelmingly, I turn on the news. And like, I love Rachel Maddow because she breaks it down, you know, or even in our own podcast, whenever I can get guests that are political. I mean, we just had Jessica Yellen, who was the former White House correspondent for, for CNN on. It looks bad. All right, that Hunter Biden was on that uh, uh, on the board of that company and didn't really have experience in gas or whatever it was, and obviously <laughs> it was gas, right? Yes, Wasn't it yes. gas? Yes. And, it sounds uh, so bad when you say it. I know right? it's just. Like, I mean, I, come on. Right. But so that's so okay. That's a but 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 let's take that and say that you know the idea is 
that that was its own situation. Has that been investigated? It was investigated, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been investigated. It's been looked at. I mean, and journalists, can you imagine? This would be the story of a lifetime to r- break that. People are all over that. They found nada. Not even Ronan yeah. Farrow has found something. <laughs> That's he big. Finds That's everything. when you know he you got abandoned. Everything. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And we were talking about the impeachment process. Yeah, and, and, and it was interesting because my co-host, one of my co-hosts is this guy, Tehran, who's another stand-up comedian, and he was saying last night, he's like, oh, man, you were on your game, man. That was, that was, one, of our, that was my, one, of my, one of my favorite episodes we've done. And I go, yeah, man, because I'm paying attention and I'm in. Like, it's very interesting to me, you know? And I always tell comedians, I go, talk about what interests you, you know? So you've got guys that are up there talking about being single and trying to date, and then you've got people who want to talk political. And I'm one of those those ones that want to talk politics. One last question. I know that uh, you're pressed for time. Are you endorsing anyone in 2020? I'm just going to ask point blank. I endorse Stephen Colbert. Um, no, I, uh, I endorse, first of all, whoever wins in a Democratic race, I'm going to, you know, be behind. Uh, you know, I, I was happy to hear this thing where I guess uh, Michael Bloomberg said that he's going to spend money on ads for whoever wins. Uh, and I thought that was great. I think we need more of that kind of unity. Um, I'll be honest with you. I have had, I've, I've, I've had my interest peaked by a lot of the candidates and then sometimes to be let down. Like when Kamala Harris first ran, I go, Oh, she's perfect. She's a woman. She's, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, from a, a diverse background. I go, this is fantastic. And then you get all these things come out that say, you know, she was this and that when she was a prosecutor and she's going to, she's not going to win the whole democratic side. Okay. I go, all right, let's, okay, she's not the one. Then I thought Elizabeth Warren, she's tough. I love like the stuff she says. I mean, cause I'm all for when you talk, when you're talking about things that they, cause they really like this, this term socialism, they go, you're a socialist. It's a hot word right now. Yeah, I think a socialist means giving education to kids without having them come out with hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans, and it means giving health care to people. Then call me a socialist. I mean, it's like, yes, I mean, but 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 it's not a bad thing. Like what they're saying is, you know, they they really try to label people. Even my own friends, like I was telling you, the conservative friends of mine are like, oh my god, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are a disaster. And I'm going, no, they're saying things that to me make sense. And if you look at our taxes and you look at kind of what we used to pay and what we do pay, you know, it's this whole thing of the rich getting richer is constant and it doesn't trickle down. And I see homeless people all over Los Angeles. So we got to gotta come up with some solutions here. So I've bounced around from person to person. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie, now Klobuchar, they're saying, might be able to unify everybody. I even like Andrew Yang. I mean, I... I'm just looking to see who that person is. Buttigieg is fine by me. I mean, all these guys. The only person I didn't like was Tulsi because I felt like she's, uh, what do they say? She's a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So I wasn't a fan of Tulsi's. Um, but the rest of them, I'm ready I'm ready to be behind whoever. Look, the, the unfortunate thing when it comes to all this stuff is I feel like a lot of people are very short-sighted. So even last elections when people were, buying into all of the disparagement of Hillary Clinton and, and not really doing their research when it was like, oh, there's Pizzagate and they have a, you know, all that stuff. And you're going, really? You guys really believe that Hillary Clinton and her and her campaign manager are running a child sex ring out of a pizza restaurant in D.C.? Like, how crazy is that? But people were 
doing that and disparaging her and then not thinking in the bigger picture of, okay, some people said, I'm not going to vote for anybody. Or they would say, I'm not voting for Trump. I'm voting against Hillary or I'm voting for Jill Stein. And I'm going Supreme court guys, you know, like here we are with these two guys that have gone in and, you know, we got judge, you know, justice Ginsburg is getting old. And the part of it is just strategically speaking, I think we really need to have the Democrats win in this next election. Otherwise, if Ginsburg were to step down, now we're going to be super lopsided and it's just going to, I mean, it just gets darker and darker. So we look forward to seeing what comes out of this latest tour. Do you have a favorite restaurant here? Favorite restaurant? Well, you know, uh, years ago, so my wife has come out with me a couple of times. And years ago, we went to a place called Obelisk, which was great. Obelisk. Um, don't know if you're familiar with it. Obelisk, I don't know if it's still out there or not, but Obelisk was near DuPont Circle. It was delicious. I feel very unhip. I feel very uncool for not knowing this restaurant. There's a good um, Persian place called Amuz. A-M-O-O apostrophe S. Amuz. You know, this guy, what he's done is, the chef's name is Sebastian. So if you go there, I'm serious. Say Maz Jobrani told me I got to come check this place out and tell him to bring you stuff. Because what happens is like usually, for example, big Persian, a big Persian tradition is you get rice and you put a broth on top. So the broths are, it's kind of like Indian curry, but it's not spicy. So, and it's really delicious and tangy and all that. But this guy has gone and experimented and done like he's got this fish that's out of this world or rather than putting the broth on top of rice he'll put the broth in he'll he'll open up a big um what was it was it uh uh god it was uh like a pumpkin or something uh and uh, or it was a yam i forget what it was it was some kind of big vegetable with like a center that had been carved out and he put the broth in there so it's just it's very east meets west and yeah. it's delicious it does sound delicious. And if it's cool with you, I'm actually going to show up everywhere and just say Maz Jabrani sent me and hope I get free stuff if that's cool with you. Good luck to you. <laughs> I think it might work in the Persian places, but that's about it. All right, Maz. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you and, and, and enjoy the impeachment. <laughs> Thanks. We will. Well, that was pretty cool. Catherine, what did we learn today? I guess the current events that he weaves into his act isn't just for show. He's genuinely interested in what's going on. And I mean, it's evident to me. So that's kind of uh, one of the things that piqued my curiosity was like, whoa, this guy at least seems to know what he's talking about. Is that part of the act or is that genuine? And um, I think, you know, he's just pretty interested naturally. Well, thanks again for, for doing this. It makes my job easier when people other people do all the work. Wait, I really exactly. appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. And thanks for listening to this edition of Political Theater.